this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Good morning. Over these next few Sundays, I'm going to be talking and highlighting some of the people who are part of the story of Jesus' birth. And today, I want to talk about Mary. You know her story. You know the plot. She was engaged to Joseph. An angel of the Lord comes and tells her that, surprise, She's going to have a baby. And we don't really know why, but she, Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who happens to also find herself pregnant at what our hospitals would now say an advanced maternal age. And while Mary is there, the scripture remembers this story of the powerful and prophetic words of Mary. This is not Mary meek and mild. When you hear these words, I hope you will hear the power of her prophetic words that she speaks of what God has done in the world. It's called Mary's Song, Mary's Magnificat in Latin. And before I read this passage this morning, it's from Luke chapter 1, and it's a little bit long, but I'm going to be reading it beginning in verse 39. And I do hope you'll read along with me. But before I read these words, I wanted to tell you Um, some unique history about this particular passage that I just find fascinating. One of the stories about this passage that has been sung in Christian worships pretty much since the beginning that Christians began to celebrate Christ's birth. They would sing these words in worship that Mary proclaims today. And Martin Luther, the founder of the Protestant Reformation 500 years ago, that our church is a part of the Protestant movement. If you remember, he had those grievances against the church that he was so upset about. And one of the things that bothered Luther was that worship was in Latin, and pretty much no one understood Latin. And so Martin Luther thought the worship needed to be in the language of the people, that scripture needed to be heard and read in the language of the people. And so Martin Luther, um, he translated the Bible into his own German vernacular. But here's the fun fact about this passage. When he read Mary's words, words about knocking the powerful off their thrones, words that said, send the rich away empty, he got a little nervous that maybe the powerful and the rich that were supporting him and his Protestant movement would be upset to actually hear these words in the Bible. And so he left this passage in Latin so they'd have no idea what it said. (laughs) There are some really unique things about this. Oscar Romero, one of my heroes, Archbishop of El Salvador, who lost his life for the way he spoke up against the oppression of his own people in El Salvador, he often use these words from Mary. He talked about how scripture was a voice for the powerless and those and the poor. 
And he lost his life for the way he spoke up about it, but he used Mary's words here in Luke chapter 1. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who would be killed for the ways he stood up against the Nazi regime of his own German nation, he said these words are the most passionate, wildest, one might even say revolutionary hymn that has ever been sung. So with that, I want you to hear the words from Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 39 this morning. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. And holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Scattered the proud, brought down the powerful from their thrones, lifted up the lowly, filled the hungry, and sent the rich away empty. It's a song about God's faithfulness. It's a song about God's justice and mercy at work in the world. It's a song about not being forgotten, of a God who hears our cries. He has helped servant of Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors. She's daring to proclaim what God has done. It's a song that's every dream of every person who has ever truly hungered for something. Be it food, a seat at the table for justice and mercy in the world, to simply not be forgotten. Mary sings of God's mercy and faithfulness, especially to the people of Israel who might have been waiting and waiting to know that God hears their cries. It's beautiful, powerful words. My soul magnifies the Lord, she says. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Where on earth did she find the courage to rejoice, to celebrate, to proclaim all that God has done before 
she even has that baby in her arms. Where did she find the courage? You know, I was remembering this past week, we were talking about March, April, May of 2020. I know nobody wants to go back and remember those months. But I was recalling to mind how when I was watching television or movies, I, during that period, I didn't want to watch anything I hadn't seen before. I wanted everything I'd already watched because I wanted happy endings. I wanted Hallmark movies where the plot is the same for all 250 movies. I wanted no surprises, no plot twists, happy endings. Definitely not going to watch any zombie apocalypse virus movies spreading the earth. No, no, no. I wanted happy endings. I wanted predictable. And here's Mary. She doesn't even know the end of the story. She probably didn't even know what tomorrow's going to look like for her. Is Joseph going to stick around? Is she and her child going to be okay? Are they even going to be allowed to live in a world, in a society that did not welcome children born out of wedlock, ostracized, talked about? I even wonder if that's why she goes to visit Elizabeth. Get out of town so you can't hear the whispers behind your back at the village get away. All she had, all she had to go on right now is that one moment with an angel. And granted, that's big, but it was just her. She was the only one there. And she has this child, this new life growing within her. She doesn't know yet who Jesus will be. She has what her scriptures tell her. She has the hope and the promises of her tradition, but she doesn't no, there's so much she doesn't yet know, and yet she's daring to trust. She's daring to believe that God is at work in the world and in her life, and that even though she doesn't know what tomorrow will look like, God has got this. Just think of all that Mary doesn't yet know. She doesn't know that at the most inconvenient time, she's going to have to take a road trip to Bethlehem, probably with her feet swelling on a very uncomfortable donkey ride, I might add. She doesn't know that she's going to be giving birth all alone with just she and Joseph there in a barn with nothing and nobody. And she doesn't know yet the full story of who this Jesus will be in the world, Emmanuel, God with us. She has her hope but she doesn't know what's to come. And yet she's daring to sing about what God has done for her, about what God is doing in the world, of a God who acts with justice and mercy, a God who hears our cries, a God who feeds the hungry. Before she holds that baby, she's daring to believe now. Someone was asking me this week of how all our preparations were going for Christmas at church. And I jokingly said that old preacher joke, well, it's the same story every single year. And it is. It is the same story every year. But the truth is, I don't think I could ever get tired of remembering this story, of noticing the people that God uses to tell this amazing story. They weren't special. They weren't particularly amazing. 
What we see are common, everyday people. We see poor people, unwed mothers, some foreign, even outcast people caught up and telling us this epic story of love came down in Jesus Christ. Rough and tumble shepherds, outsider magi from the east, old Zachariah and Elizabeth, unwed Joseph and Mary, all of them finding courage and strength and daring to have faith in a God at work in the world. One of my most favorite definitions of faith is from Frederick Buechner, who died this past year, a Presbyterian minister. And it's my most favorite definition. He said, faith is whistling in the dark. And I think that's what Mary was doing. She was whistling in the darkness. She doesn't know what's going to happen. She doesn't know what's going to happen to Jesus or her. She doesn't even know what tomorrow looks like, but she's daring to trust now. She's daring to believe now. That's faith. Faith that even though she doesn't yet know what's around the corner, that God will make a way. I remember reading this article online about grief a few years ago. I can't even remember the article at all anymore. But the topic of the article was grief. And at the bottom of the article, as they have, there were comments. And one of the comments on that article just stopped me in my tracks. And the comment said, every funeral I ever attend is for my sister who died at 19. And I have remembered that comment, the truth of it, the pain of it. Every funeral I ever attend is for my sister who died at 19. I think about the way grief works in our lives, how it weaves throughout our life. And I'm mindful that courage comes in many forms. Sometimes courage is simply a middle-aged sister still showing up at funerals, still lighting candles for the sister she loves and misses. Sometimes it can sit in the chemotherapy chair and lay down on the radiation table. It can be picking up a phone after a lot of years of silence. And it can sometimes look like simply putting one foot in front of the other to keep going even when you'd rather just wave a white flag and give up hope on it all. Courage comes in many forms. And today, today, it looks like Mary, an unwed teenage mother daring to proclaim what God has done for her in her life, even if she doesn't know the end of the story yet. And I don't know what you might be carrying today. I've heard this time of year described as the season of amplification. The season of amplification. And I, I think it makes sense to me because I've always thought all those things that we carry in our lives every single day, all our hopes, all our longings, our grief, our worry, our fears, all that seems undone and unsettled within us just has a way of feeling bigger and heavier to carry at the holidays. Like someone has put a spotlight on all that we wish were different, and it's not. And if that is you today, I hope, I hope that you will remember the story 
of this woman from 2,000 years ago, really a girl who had the weight of the world on her shoulders. Read the words again that she dares to sing and proclaim of what God has done in the world and watch her as she dares to trust in what God is going to do. Dare to watch her as she proclaims a God who will not let us go. And who knows? Who knows? You might find yourself whistling in the darkness too. May your souls magnify the Lord and your spirits rejoice in God your Savior. For he has looked on favor with you. All generations will call you blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for you and holy is his name. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.